Welcome to another Inside Line podcast with your host, Dr. Daniel Cameron. In tonight's episode, Dr. Cameron will be discussing the case of a 54-year-old male with a 12-year history of multiple sclerosis who was diagnosed with Babesia microti. The case was discussed in a recent article in Multiple Sclerosis and Related Disorders Journal. Good evening, Dr. Cameron. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for leading the discussion, Darlene. Can, can you start off a little bit first, just tell us what Babesia is? Babesia is a tick-borne pathogen. That is, that is, it's in the same tick that we normally associate with Lyme disease. We're finding over time that there's organisms that cause anaplasmosis, Ehrlichia, Bartonella. Uh, in this case, it's a parasite. They can be uh, severely sick if they've been only sick for a week. It can be without symptoms sometimes. In practice though, uh, so many of the people with Babesia have uh, chronic symptoms. Uh, Some of my Lyme patients who I'm treating for Lyme aren't doing very well. And if I look for Babesia or suspect Babesia, that's what the doctor is missing. And if I treat with a parasite medicine, I can treat that patient and get them better. So the treatment um, and medication for Babesia is different than that for Lyme? Yeah, since Babesia is a parasite, you need an anti-parasitic drug. The drug that's most commonly used is called the Tovaquone. In America, they market a Tovaquone as Mepron, this thick, yellow, gooey-type liquid. In America, they also market that same product under a drug called Malarone, and malarone is 250 milligrams. So it's one third of the dose of atovaquone. And malarone also has proguano. So I find I probably use the pill more in people who haven't been sick as long. Uh, people who uh, like uh, malarone like it because it's a pill and it's easier to um, tolerate. It's also a, a twice a day product. Now, the Babesia can be um, particularly dangerous, right, in the, in the elderly and in individuals who are immune compromised. Is that correct? People who are hospitalized tend to be people who have only been sick about a week, and you end up seeing the parasite of this organism in the red blood cells. But occasionally, you find someone severely ill who's immunocompromised, who's uh, elderly. But just when we say, let's look for someone elderly and immunocompromised, you also occasionally see someone who's not immunocompromised and who happens to have Babesia. I find that Babesia is most often associated with a chronic illness rather than an acute illness. So in this case, the patient was a 54-year-old male who had a 12-year history of multiple sclerosis. Would that uh, make him more susceptible or difficult to treat uh, for Babesia? Yeah, this 54-year-old man would be considered immunocompromised just from the illness itself. You know, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. It can be chronic. In this case, he had been sick for 12 years. He was also immunocompromised 
because he took drugs that suppressed the immune system. He took a variety of disease-modifying agents originally. He took those for about six years. He elected to stop the treatment and was lost for six years. So we have a man who for six years had immunosuppressive medicines. Then he comes back and they thought he had a recurrence of his multiple sclerosis and they gave him this drug called Osrevus, O-C-R-E-V-U-S, which is a drug to modify the uh, immune system. It's a drug that was approved in 2017 for multiple sclerosis. It suppresses the B cells. It's an anti-CD monoclonal antibody. So it attacks B cells that contribute to demyelination and uh, B cells that damage nerve cells. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the symptoms that he had and was hospitalized for? They originally thought that he had a flare-up of his multiple sclerosis. He was started on this immunosuppressive medicine. He was still sick four months later. In this case, uh, he was hospitalized because he had malaise, uh, f- fatigue, fever for a week. He had syncope. He had, uh, at this point, been considered a treatment failure because he had been on four different disease-modifying drugs. He was admitted because they thought he had sepsis. You know, sepsis is considered a life-threatening illness. Uh, the hospital and the emergency room mobilized to try to take care of uh, whatever the infection is. And so there's a lot of things ordered for sepsis. He was apparently discharged from the hospital and went home. Evidently, part of that evaluation included a tick-borne evaluation. And three days later, his PCR test came back with Babesia. And so in this case, uh, it's rather um, interesting that a sepsis evaluation, instead of your typical bladder infection or typical staphylococcus, streptococcus, turn out to be Babesia. Now, it's possible that because he's on an immunocompromised medicine and he has an immunocompromised disease, that Babesia was more severe for this man. So this is this is actually kind of unusual, isn't it, that the clinicians ordered uh, Babesia testing for him? Well, they don't explain why they ordered it. There's so many causes of sepsis. Uh, in this case... Uh, they were fortunate enough to detect Babesia. Now, you don't always get Babesia positive test anyway. Sometimes you get a negative Babesia because it doesn't show up in the blood smear, doesn't show up in the PCR test or the antibody test. And I find that using clinical judgment that a patient who seems refractory, who seems like a post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome case, Can you tell us, uh, talk a little bit about what that treatment was? He was treated with a combination of azithromycin, which is marketed as Zithromax in the the United States, and Atovaquone, which I mentioned earlier, is uh, marketed under Mepron. When this combination of drug was originally prescribed, they were doing 
azithromycin and atovaquone for 10 days. So because that was prescribed at the time of a fresh illness where you could see Babesi in the red blood cells, everybody get in the habit of using 10 days. But the literature shows uh, people often can't clear their parasites or they can't get rid of their illness in 10 days. In this case, he was treated for eight weeks. And when the blood cells normalized and the PCR cleared and there was no evidence of parasites in the blood smear, they elected to stop therapy. And they also didn't discuss uh, any follow-up to see if there was any residual symptoms from his babesia. And that would be particularly important because he has an immunocompromised disease and he's taken an immunocompromised medication. Now, this is um, the, the first case, published case of a patient with babesia that's treated with this particular medication, but there have been other um, babesia cases reported in the literature um, with patients taking immunosuppressives, right? Yeah, they've uh, known uh, that infections uh, can occur when you suppress the uh, immune system. And so it's very important at the beginning of taking a immunosuppressive medicine to look for any sorts of infections. They do warn in ads and uh, packets inserts to look for infections. It just uh, highlights uh, important to not, not only look for traditional infections, but to be aware that tick-borne infections can affect somebody that's immunocompromised on an immunosuppressive medicine. Well, thank you, Dr. Cameron, for discussing that topic. It's certainly very interesting and uh, particularly important given that the number of cases of Babesia have been rising, if I'm correct? Yes, uh, I think that uh, there's so many people that are immunocompromised. There's so many that are taking immunosuppressive medicines that's important to include uh, tick-borne in uh, evaluations. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that the authors shared this case uh, to remind us as doctors to be vigilant. Well, thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to the next episode of Inside Line. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and please remember to subscribe and ring the bell.